And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. The 2022 NFL Draft is in the books, and I gotta say, guys, we got some stuff really, really right in and out of this draft, and we got some stuff really, really wrong. We'll talk about all of it here on this edition of Times Ours here on The Athletic. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser, and guys, before we get into the new stuff, I, w- I wanted to see if you guys had a quick 30 seconds to hop in the uh, in the time machine. Um, Seth, this was actually shortly after you had to depart last week's episode of Times Ours, um, and Nate and I went on a little bit of a uh, of a routine. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard this yet, but I-, I would just like for you guys to kind of judge how you think we did our draft report card after we gave these 30 seconds of analysis last week. The director of college scouting has taken hours off his life to get this right, and we done figured it out in 10 minutes. <laughs> You know, there's, there's a, let's see, Dane, Dane Brugger got a nice third round grade here, number 93 overall on Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State. <sighs> He's 6'2", almost 6'3". Lock it down. Lock, lock it, it down. Lock it down. Hey, there are a couple quarterbacks from Washington. I don't even know if we get them games here. <laughs> <laughs> How do we do, guys? How do we oh. do? Joshua Williams is a chief, but so is Trent McDuffie. He's one of them boys out of Washington. Apparently, we get them games here. <laughs> Well done, guys. This the quality of your work as ever improves. I don't want to say exponentially, but it's just the truth. With minute that I hang up the phone, the minute I'm gone, you guys just turn into savants. Then I come on and we talk about Nicolas Cage movies for ten minutes. Uh, I, there's va- there's value everywhere across the board, guys. <laughs> That's that's where I'm at. So I'm not sure that's necessarily true, Seth, because uh, we we nailed Joshua Williams out of the third uh, at third round grade. They got into the third day there. What a value for the long corner out of Fayetteville State. Mm-hmm. Clearly telegraphed. But I I don't know of the three of us who was most surprised to hear Trent McDuffie pause oh. cornerback pause <laughs> Washington. They got us on the first <laughs> night, Josh. Which which part of that surprised you the most, Nate? Well, let's let's uh, give everybody a refresher. So this is Thursday. I'm super excited for the draft. Um, when the Detroit Lions traded up at twelve, I I I was like, they they not about to take a quarterback, right? Which I guess the Vikings believe that they were because the Vikings were like, you taking a quarterback at twelve? Sure. Uh. <laughs> And then it dawned on me rather quickly. <laughs> they weren't taking a quarterback. And it's like, oh, no, the boy done put on a red suit tonight. <laughs> he thought he was going to Kansas City. He, he, 
He thought there were good odds. And when I say he, I mean Jameson Williams. That poor son. That poor family. I hope it works out in Detroit. <laughs> so. Sorry. So so now that that's off the board, it's like, well, they're not going to trade up for anybody else. Um, and as I put, I think, in my first mock draft, hey, maybe the Patriots are an easy target at 21 because they always want to trade down under Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick ain't ever seen a trade down he he didn't like. Um, and so when they trade up to 21, I'm thinking, wow, um, they're going to have a steal pretty much wherever they go at this point because you move up eight spots and this is clearly in the range that Brett Vicha said, hey, there's 16 to 18 guys that we've graded as first grade you know, first round players that we've given grace to. Um, and Lonnie Johnson was there. I mean, or excuse me, Jermaine Johnson, not Lonnie Johnson. We'll get to Lonnie Johnson in a second. There's too many Johnson. Also, if you just flip over to your, if you just flip over to your Twitter right now, you're going to see a bunch of people confused about like, here's just the exact moment we're recording right now. Field Yates just tweeted, the Ravens and Chiefs both applied the seldom used UFA tender on Justin Houston and Melvin Ingram, respectively. I've never heard of the unrestricted free agent tender. This is the, you you can keep going. I want to figure out what that is. That's yeah. what's been happening. That's where the Chiefs are at right now. They traded for Lonnie Johnson and now there's terms I've never heard they of They did before. what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, All right, maybe you know something. Based on my understanding. But anyway, Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, the edge rusher, he was there. He was right there, and I thought that's where they were going. Um, But look, the Chiefs, we told y'all what not only what we knew, but what most of the league knew when it came to cornerbacks. So, of course, they, of course they changed course, and they select – you know, Trent McDuffie, who had a great draft living room. I mean, just an amazing draft <laughs> living room. Uh, you know, fellas high-fiving, ladies hugging and jumping up and down, kids being just used as toys in a sense. Uh, I, I really enjoyed their, their draft living room, just the idea of, like, the kids are like, wow, we are really excited, but we're watching their, what is on TV um, but hey, your guy's gonna go to Kansas City. They they honestly did some work and they they hit it very well. But even Brett Veach mentioned late Thursday night, uh, they never thought Trent McDuffie was going to be available to them, which is why I said what I said on the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> so in some ways, I don't feel like we're wrong, Josh. But also, uh well played, Kansas City Chiefs. Well, well played, scouting department. Well played, uh, Greg Castillo, who was the uh, area scout in the Northwest, doing the doing the work um, and getting a little bit of a uh, chance to give a spotlight to him on Saturday to sort of explain that they took a cornerback from Washington and Washington State, John. That for me, that's what I, I was like. Look, I, I, I think we have twice. to take the L. I think we have to take the L on that. Like maybe we 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 nailed Joshua Williams out of Fayetteville State. We nailed. That's one. We got one. We lost twice though. We're we're down one two in the Chiefs cornerback draft market. Uh, also, again, just like they have added now four cornerbacks in the last four days, and I just don't really know what's going on. If you are a if you are a cornerback on the the fringe of the roster in Kansas City. You are perturbed. <laughs> Maybe not perturbed, but you're a little bit like, okay, like this is, you know, and look, that's what you do. You you churn the roster. 
they needed help with defensive backs. I, I get it, but man, I'd be I'd be nervous. That's a lot of defensive backs in one offseason. Um I mean I mean it's five in the draft, right? One, two, three. Total, total defensive backs, yeah. So yes, total defensive yes. backs. It's Trent McDuffie in the first. It's Sky. It's it's uh, Brian Cook at sixty-two after they took. Sky <laughs> you can't Moore wait to talk before. about Sky. Moore. I want to talk about Sky Moore so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson and Nazi Johnson mm-hmm. and they just traded for uh, Lonnie Johnson. Nazi Johnson is an amazing name. Um, I don't have a lot to add. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't that. gotten there yet. You no, know that March no, twenty two is probably tough to find. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking around. Um, we'll see. Although I don't know if anyone wants me to actually break down, you know, draftees because I draft I dropped the George Carlotti's film review and it was one minute after the Justin Ross information came out, and so I'm like posting, about, hey, here's the first round pick. I was like. <gasps> Could you please do what about Justin Ross? Who cares about the first round pick? Let's talk about this undrafted free agent. I'm like, guys. So anyway, it's been a, it's, it's been a day. Fast. It's moving fast. Like here's a, just just to close the loop really quick on what I just threw out there and drop the people's laps on the Melvin Ingram and also Justin Houston thing for for the Ravens. Yeah. Please. Um, Field Yates said this means that if Houston or Ingram signs with a new team before July 22nd or the first day of training camp, whichever is later, they would count towards the compensatory formula. If they oh. don't sign by them, Baltimore and KC have exclusive negotiating rights. So we all have been kind of saying maybe Melvin Ingram's just waiting for uh, waiting for camp to, to get going a little bit. Um, if he does now, it sounds like the Chiefs. Honestly, it sounds like the Chiefs also think that might be what's going on here. Yeah, because no, 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 even no that, even that, they, that, that, that's exactly what's going on yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, this has become the worst kept secret in the league. If Melvin Ingram is not a Chief in 2022, I would be shocked at this point. And if he signed a minute before, like late July, I would also be shocked. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's hot, yeah. man. I I was it's melting hot. the first training camp I attended, and I was just sitting there. Uh, okay, so enough of that. I just wanted to close the loop because well, that was something that I was confused by. You have something you want to add there, Nate? Yeah, yeah. Let me let me okay. add let me add a, a few things. This creates a deadline, um, which means mm. the Miami Dolphins, who gave this man a free flight and a free hotel room, who <laughs> <laughs> brought him down a couple weeks ago as just a little pre-draft, you know, appetizer. Hey, why don't you come on down? You can get a little beach life. Come and see the facility. Hey, talk to Coach. Mike McDaniel, just just give him a little chat. Let's see what's going on, you know? Um, How much the Chiefs offering you right now? All right, I mean, hey, you know, if you need us to bump it up, hey, you know, we'll play the role. We'll play the game. But, hey, if it don't go right after the draft, come come holler at us. The Chiefs, of course, saw this coming a mile away. (laughs) And we're like, well, hey, man, if you're going to play it like that, that's fine. That's fine. We know you work in the system. We know you want to be here. We know you liked playing a an excuse me an AFC championship game where you know you honestly should have went to the Super Bowl. Hey, by the way, you was the only guy that got a sack in that game. So yeah, dog. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Like that's how you want to play it. Look, it's a business. We know <laughs> we know you about that business. So hey, man. <laughs> let's just when the draft is over, we're just gonna have another phone call. He don't know this yet, but when we had that phone call, just you know. We're just going to put a deadline on it. And by the way, camp is on July 21st, man. So, you know, this just just the way it works, right? And we look forward to having you in St. Joseph, Missouri. We'll I like see it. you in St. Joe, Melvin. We will 
see, we'll see you there. I have to imagine. Now, uh, which, which team has more cap space right now? Does anybody know between the Chiefs and the in the in the Miami Dolphins? I actually don't know right now. This is the first time in a minute that not the Chiefs has not been the right answer by default. Correct. Uh, I'm gonna look at it right here. Uh, via over the cap, my trusted source, and the Dolphins have more money as as of right now. Dolphins have around 19 million. Chiefs uh, around 18. Yep, and of course, you know, uh, you'd have to put in the Chiefs play. Have, How Chiefs many? have way more draft picks. Yes, on the you have to. <laughs> yes, uh, those those are slotted. Yes. Uh, those are slotted salaries. So ten versus how many the Dolphins have? I don't. I don't know that off the top of my head. Could be a little different, but it's a. It's a. It's you know, it's negligible in essence. So there, uh, there are a handful of of Dolphins picks that I know for a fact that uh, they do not have that may have ended up on another team in this conversation for a player who's uh, not to be named today. Although he almost certainly will be when we talk about Sky Moore. Yep. Um, how? How do you? Okay. Sorry. I'm. I'm thinking out loud to myself, trying to figure out. With the trades, figure out what picks turn into what players. Someone did that math already, right? Yes. Sweet. I got some of it. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot that moves around in late late April, early May. But but basically, it will be up to Melvin Ingram's choice if he has two or more options. But mm. um, he'll have to make a decision roughly around the same time. Orlando Brown will have to make a decision. Mm. I didn't say that out loud, did I? No, I was just to you just said that to me and Seth. We have some advanced Zoom technology on this show yeah. that most people don't have, but we don't tell anybody about it. Yeah, so it's not <laughs> it's not confirmed yet. I know Andy's going through the details and you sort of map these things out obviously in advance, but based on my understanding what he's done in the past, uh I wouldn't be surprised, fellas, if training camp started on, you know, and this is like rookies. Uh so the rookies get to training camp first. Then you do the veterans, and then you do the whole, like, hey, full team's here. Come watch us, you know, practice. But I'm going to say the first day of the rookies being there, probably around July 21st, 22nd. And the veterans will be there, I believe, on, Ju- on, on July 21st or 25th, a Monday. Huh. You think that there's going to be a player who formerly wore number 24 that might not get to have number 24 again this year? <laughs> At that point? Is that what you're leading us towards? Trent McDuffie wears number 24 now, allegedly. Allegedly. Oh, allegedly. Well, that means Sky Moore. Sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm, I, I got all that wrong. No, Sky Moore's wearing 24. Man, um, okay. I am. I, I right? was in favor yeah. of receivers changing numbers, and now I'm confused all the time. I've decided. I'm, I'm I've afraid ch- about Sky Moore wearing number 24. I've changed my mind about jersey numbers and i just want wide receivers to start wearing numbers in the 80s again because i'm not i I just i don't understand it's just too much it's too much to follow i just wanted single digits i just wanted to if he could have just worn number two ronald jones might have messed that whole that whole business up i don't know there's a i understand why you watching all 22 are going to be extremely annoyed as this progresses though seth because all of a sudden number 24 is up there on the outside you're going wait a second what what, what's (laughs) happening here i've never seen yeah i've never seen this before exactly but it's all it it's it's still all fun and honestly i i can't believe we have this much activity on the monday following the draft I mean, I if you call, I mean, this much activity, it's really weird, low level kind of activity. It's like we traded for a player for 2024 conditional seventh rounder, which is like it's an IOU. They traded <laughs> they, they got Lonnie Johnson for an IOU, uh, which is great. And then putting a tag that I had no idea existed 
mm-hmm. on Melvin Ingram. So it's an active day. Just and Seth day. and they signed the only undrafted free agent who anyone had heard of. Yes, I forgot about that. Even though I it's already mentioned a- it. It's been a weirdly, it's been a weirdly busy day, exclusively in weird terms. We were, I, I kind of want to start from the top here. We're, we're going to have to work our way through like down the line if we're going to have any chance of giving even a breath to each of these guys. Because after all of the hullabaloo, the Chiefs did use a ton of draft picks, 10 to be precise. Uh, and then again, one really noteworthy UDFA and, and a couple other little movements around here. But we, we started with Trent McDuffie. Um, uh, Nate, why don't you kind of give me the uh, the logic of what you think went into that pick? We, you kind of touched on it already um and then seth already has the uh, a handful of film reviews up on the chief of the north newsletter that's mnchiefsfan.substack.com of course all of nate's work up at the athletic um seth you, you've got mcduffie sky moore and, and george Karloftis as we record right now i know there's more coming but let's start with mcduffie Let, let's let's zoom in here why was he the number one pick why did they move up to go get him it cost them 29 94 and 121 to go get trent mcduffie nate yeah, as I mentioned before, it was likely going to cost three picks to move up. Um, this time it wasn't a future pick, which I think is 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 a good thing. Um, but everything that I both heard on the record and sort of after the fact and sort of talking to a number of people um, who were obviously in conversations with the Chiefs, you know, before the draft, it just appears that the Chiefs um, felt more comfortable with this db class than the pass rushing class Mm. um and you could say that it is a bit strange that the moment sauce gardner went off the board i believe was he the fourth pick i think third right yeah yeah and then or well it was stingley and then sauce gardner they went they went i'm sorry you're right five you're right yeah yeah so so sauce gardner goes at four and that's like kind of the like you got to be inside football to be like hey. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the common fan was like, I don't see no quarterbacks on my screen. Which I'm sorry. Right. Which I'm sorry. Look, even even Kenny Pickett's girl was like, this isn't what I signed up for, and that's okay. Like that's <laughs> totally okay. Um, it was just a year. It happens. Y'all good. Look, y'all ain't even got to move. Like y'all ain't got to pack nothing. Like <laughs> it's a it's an amazing turn of events. Even though. I will still hold on to my heart. Should have been Malik's team, but hey, he's he's in Nashville. Anyway, um, they had graded these cornerbacks higher than the passers, or that they fit the system better. Um, I thought Trent is a good pick. Um, I think Karloftis is a safe pick. Um, but they just never anticipated him being available. And then that's truly where you have to go into the thought processes of what does the defensive coordinator want? How have we all sort of come to a consensus of our own board? Like, let's remove, you know, groupthink from the other, you know, 31 teams. And yes, you could say 20, you know, you know, 20 spots went and he wasn't selected. But if you think he's the best guy on your board if you think he can make a quicker impact if you think he can be on the field as much and perhaps more than some other prospects which I'm going to get to in a minute then you take that player um, and he has the intelligence the versatility that they look for he's obviously durable um, he's, he has no injuries uh, at this moment so it's a, it's a, it's a really good pick for the value 
Um, but as much as I think pass rusher is and was the biggest need for this team, they felt that there was a better group of cornerbacks to select from, which led to this sort of decision to trade up. Um, and the good thing for the for the Patriots, although I don't know if it really matters to them, is you want to trade up with the ability of at least having two to three options. This is where the Reuben Foster situation comes into play, where the Buffalo Bills thought, oh, they're going to just trade up for Reuben Foster, which <laughs> when you think about that, five years ago, we're trading up for a number 10, was he a uh, linebacker? Yeah. <sighs> that is I'm ball- glad they didn't do that. That is ballsy. But you want to give the impression that, like, there are options without the other team fully knowing that it's one person. Because then that team can extract the, the thought process. They could they could take more from you in terms of the deal for you to make sure that you go get your guy. Uh, Jermaine Johnson was on the board. Obviously, you could look at any Chiefs depth chart and be like, hey, <laughs> they need a pass rusher and or a cornerback. We don't know which way they're going to go. And then Buffalo saw them move up and was like, oh, hell no. We need to we need to get the other cornerback. So mm-hmm. it's an arms race. This is how it all came together. I hope I explained that uh, reasonably well. Um, but he's he's the best guy that they thought were available to them at the time, and they were always going to trade up. I think when they woke up, and when I say they, I mean like Clark Hunt, Andy Reid, Brett Veach, hell, even Patrick Mahomes, they all kind of knew the plan today is to is to trade up. It's just how high can we get and which player um, makes the most sense uh, to help the roster, not just, you know, this upcoming year, but then in future years. And they made, in my estimation, the wise decision to, to you know, hey, if you want to get Jameson Williams with the, with the 12th pick, that's fine. A little, little rich for us. We were thinking like 18, 19. All right, well, we'll move up to 21 and, and we'll take a guy that we know will be on the field starting for us or playing a pivotal role um, pretty early on a, on, a, on a unit that needs more work than the offense. It's funny that you uh, called it an arms race because that might be the only kind of race that Trent McDuffie might not be favored in, uh, just in terms of length and height. Uh, so you, you mentioned, of course, that, that uh, Derek Stingley goes third, Sauce Gardner goes fourth. Uh, McDuffie is actually the second-ranked corner in Dane Brugler's Beast Draft Guide, available to subscribers of The Athletic. Uh, if you never downloaded that, do it now so you can read what he said about all these Chiefs guys because it, it is the the fastest way to mainline what you're actually learning about all these players. Um, but but he had McDuffie two there and, and one of only three guys with, with true first-round grades. Andrew Booth Jr. fell just out of the first round. Keir Elam was still on the board uh, whenever the Chiefs moved up there as well. So, uh, I mean, it was just Gardner and Stingley that had gone. McDuffie was the third corner off the board. Um, the the logic for him not being with that elite class, Seth, and again, you can read what Seth's already written about this in the newsletter, but the, the height and size and length seems to be the only kind of knock against him. What does he do best? What does he do at an elite level through your, uh, through your first film review of him? Sure. Uh, normally when you call a cornerback a really smart player, mm-hmm. you're talking about a guy that isn't very athletic. Yep. Um, in the case of McDuffie, that's not true. He is both very smart and very athletic. And that's a rare combination. Most guys that rely on instincts, relied on reading covered reading routes well and understanding receivers coming in and out of their zones, understanding you know how they need to leverage their hips and their feet. Most of those guys have had to learn to do those things because they cannot turn and run with receivers. You know, like like a like a Sean Smith type guy, although he's obviously a really big guy, but you, you learn how to win with what you have, right? 
Um, McDuffie knows how to do all of those things, but he does it at a higher level than most guys because he's also a very good athlete. Really quick feet. Um, Kendall Fuller-ish. Mm. Is, mm. Thank you. <laughs> I mm. thought you'd like that, Nate. Mm. Um, now, you only got one mm out of me. You got to sell me still. <laughs> um, there's 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 some Ken, Kendall Fullernish to his game in that he is quicker than he is fast, but he's still fast enough. It's not like he's slow. It's just he's exceptionally quick. Got really great feet. He guys just aren't open against him. Mm-hmm. People talk about you know we're, there's there's some questions about his ball skills, and that's worth noting. You know, I mean, is he the guy that's going to really you know do, try to get a contested ball against Jamar Chase? I would postulate that it wouldn't matter if he was six one. He's still probably going to lose that fight. That that man um, that man's name is Traverius Ward. Yes, and he still lost that fight. <laughs> you know, and that's just that's just not fair. You know, that's just that in the mutant world of today's NFL receivers, you're going to have a hard time finding guys who can win those battles, even the bigger even the bigger corners. He is very very good at diagnosing what's going on in front of him. Doesn't get moved by quarterbacks' eyes too frequently, at least at the college level where they're not as advanced at that. He doesn't get distracted by guys coming in and out of his zone. Doesn't get um, caught up in the muck when he's running, you know, he's defending a crosser or wide receiver screen. Doesn't let that kind of almost downfield blocking get to him. He's just a really, really smart and really, really athletic player who also is not afraid to absolutely hammer guys on occasion, um, which is a theme we're going to be coming back to repeatedly as we talk about this draft. He'll hit, he hits hard and he hits frequently for a corner. Um, so that, that, that would be kind of a summary of the things he does really well. And I think that's where you would see Spagnolo's interest in him in that we've seen with some really physically talented corners, them struggling at times. Legereus Sneed last year in the much bigger role he had to start the season. He struggled with some missed assignments with some, there's just a lot that Spagnolo's asking of guys. Um, and I think getting a guy that you think can handle it, Washington asks a lot of their corners mentally. Mm-hmm. I think you grab a guy like this who's also happens to be a plus athlete. That's kind of a rare combination. And I'm assuming that's what made him. I think he was like the last of the, we can play this guy this year and he'll be good guys that they had in the draft. I mean, there's other guys that are going to be good this year right. in terms of guys you feel good about. And, yeah, some, and Steve right, Spagnolo. Yeah. In 2019, at several moments, told us, you know, kind of behind the curtains, how much he admired, um, you know, Kendall Fuller's ability to 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 just do a lot of different assignments. Um, yep. And he played safety in the playoffs and like had a pretty smooth transition. All things considering, uh, you know, they were they were kind of sprinkling him. Hint, you know, remind me from from right set, but they were kind of sprinkling him in as like a third rotational safety. Oh yeah. Who could come, After Thornhill got hurt. Yeah, who could well this is even before oh. Thornhill got hurt. Yep, who, who that's could, true. Yeah. Who could come down, play some nickel. What what would help add to the confusion to the quarterback and the receivers as to what the 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 exact cover scheme was cuz I remember them doing it against the Broncos in the snow and poor Drew Lock. Oh, oh, that was so bad. <laughs> poor Drew Lock oh. and that was like also time Seattle Seahawks franchise quarterback Drew Lock. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Seattle Seahawks, don't you dare do it at 6 or or excuse me at 9. <laughs> Trade down. No, um yeah, so like, you know, uh and then of course the, the Thornhill the Thornhill injury happened unfortunately. But but Kendall 
I remember being in the locker room after that game, after the season finale, and Kendall Fuller kind of basically understanding, yep, I know exactly what I'm doing now. Me and Coach have kind of already talked about it. And, uh, you know, we basically get, you know, a bye week to sort of, you know, iron out some things. And, yeah, he played safety for a championship team when he had very limited reps, uh, you know, for much of the season. So uh, it's funny that you put that together, Seth, because I had – God, I wish that would be something that I could – um, that I could have asked the coaching staff about, but it'll be something I asked Steve Spagnuolo uh, later this month when OTAs kick off. But it's a, it's a great point um, because you can see that that he reads and sees the ball pretty well in coverage in college, um, and then usually he makes a, a, a pretty consistent play. The the thing for me that stands out, and this kind of goes back to your point, Seth, of like sometimes this sounds like something you say about a corner who can't actually get there. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna amend something to this. It seems to me like Trent McDuffie is never in the wrong place slash always in the right place. Not just because he's a, you know a film grinder or whatever, but that he also has the the, the skills to get there. Right, um, it, it, and so that and that very much comes through in in your breakdown here as well. So again, I, I would say people should check that out. The one thing though that as I go through your piece and as I am trying to figure out if there's any reason that you know or what is the reason that he ends up there at, at 21, you made this point as well. It's that being in the right place against Jamar Chase doesn't matter. You you can be in the right place against Jamar Chase, and he might he might still make you look foolish because he's an alien. The good news is there aren't that many versions of him running around the NFL, but there are a handful. Uh, so do you do you get any pause? Does I mean uh, again if he was if he was all of these things and also six foot seven, he would have gone number one. Uh, <laughs> but but at five ten and change, how much pause does that give you? It doesn't give me much. Um, I know the NFL has changed to an extent. But I mean, most of the best corners that I've seen in my lifetime, at least, man, I don't know why I'm always clearing my throat. Anytime we talk allergy season, man, it's the worst. I'm barely holding on. Most of the best corners I've ever seen were not guys who were six one, you know, your, your, your champ Bailey's and, and, and foot speed being willing and able to contest aggressively and having actual ball skills that that's going to mean a lot more than just a few inches of height or or a couple extra inches of arm length. And so I think that it just doesn't bother me that much in part because even though the NFL has changed to an extent, you're just not going to have that many situations where it's going to be just go route after go route after go route. And that can be when you're facing the type of receiver that can beat you that way that can be schemed around, right? I mean, right away in the in the AFC Championship during the first half when the Chiefs were just blitzing the Bengals, the first third down they had, they, they showed that Tyron Matthew was going to be playing in the box and then they had him rotate deep, like right over the top of Jamar Chase, where it was like, yeah, you can still bring it down because you're an alien, but you're going to have to do it between two guys every single time. And that's what you do with those aliens because there's really not a corner in the league that's built to win those situations other than maybe one or two of them. And even then, it's it's very iffy. Jalen so, Ramsey got cooked. Jalen Ramsey did get cooked. Um, it was on one but, snap, guys, not the whole game. One yeah. snap. And so I would just say it, it's you, you sum that up really well. Like if he were six feet and moved the exact same way he does now and and showed that exact same level of, of, of understanding of the game – I bet you he would have been probably a top 10 pick. 
-hmm. And it's hard for me to believe that that inch and a half is really going to make the difference. Now, I say that as a guy who's five foot nine and a half, maybe 10 feet tall on, or 10 feet, maybe five foot 10 on a good day. So so maybe I'm just a little defensive of my fellow average sized brethren. (laughs) (laughs) No way that clip's going to get taken out of context. Seth Kaiser, size less important than technique. That's great, man. I appreciate you making this place a, uh, a safe place for that. I will take... Is is that where we break into the Roman ad? Right, <laughs> it's coming. It's it's coming later in the show. Yeah. Uh, but actually, looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, let's uh, let's go to George Karloftis, because if we don't keep up a pretty good pace, we're going to get to Brian Cook and then realize the show's over. Uh, but <laughs> but at 30, the Chiefs did keep their original pick there. Uh, the edge board did fall. Interestingly, you mentioned earlier, Nate, that uh, Jermaine Johnson fell way down the board. Uh, yeah. But ultimately, he went uh, he went 26 to the Jets. Uh, and there, I mean, it just sort of seemed like whenever you have a fall that precipitous, maybe there was a, a misunderstanding about where he actually fit on a lot of boards. 
but then at uh, at 30, they go George Karloff, this, the uh, the Greek defensive end out of Purdue. Uh, first thoughts there, Nate. You said it felt like a safe pick. What does that mean? It just means that he can play all three downs, and he's going to get chances to win in one-on-one opportunities. And I'm sure Seth has a lot more to dig into, but um, a guy that's gotten better throughout much of his college career, he's new to the sport, you could say, in some ways, because he started playing football as an eighth, ninth grader. Um, said he really wasn't good at it until about 10th grade. <laughs> 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 and, you know, I think I think there's a chance for him to use his bull rush to collapse the pocket um, when you have Chris Jones kind of doing the same from the interior, or at least wrecking the pocket. Um, it's, probably the, it's probably the word that Chiefs fans want to hear a lot uh, this upcoming season. But he's a durable player. He played most of the snaps. Uh, he was a leader at, at Purdue. So it's safe because um, if you think of Jermaine Johnson as more of a speed guy, as more of a guy that might not hold up on first down or, or, or you know, setting the edge. Um, and if you think he's, uh, you know, maybe reached the, the the peak of his athleticism, that that's fine. All those things could be true. Um, but if you think, this kid over here um, is still growing, still learning in the sport, can still maybe reach another level. Um, he's not as polished or as refined as, as Jermaine Johnson. Um, then you're taking sort of a safe, low-risk gamble on a, on a guy that can be productive in year one and can hopefully grow uh, and continue to kind of be that ascending player in years two and years three. Um, but, hey, they need somebody to start. They need somebody to play. They need somebody to not come off the field. Right. And and the more I thought about that, the more it made sense to me um, sort of after the pick realizing, oh, Karloftis does make a lot of sense. And he appears to be someone who, like Jermaine Johnson, is coachable, is a good character. Uh, so there's no there's no real, you know, uh, they picked this player because this player was different than that player. Um, you can make your assumptions at other positions elsewhere. Uh, but in terms of this, it's just... Uh, they think in their system, Karloftis can do a lot more and they can get more out of him if he gets better than maybe Jermaine Johnson. Um, Seth, how how poorly did I just do that? I, I, I don't think you've ever done anything poorly in the time that I've known you. <laughs> um, one thing that's interesting with Karloftis, and that film review is up, um, that actually just posted today if you're listening on, on Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at the chief of the North newsletter. <laughs> um, the thing with Karloftis is there, there's some debate about him in terms of, you know, what he does well versus some limitations that he has. And the interesting thing is in this case, both things are accurate. He actually has a number of really good traits that translate really well to the NFL. And he also has a, a few traits that translate to problems in the NFL, generally speaking, and it's really hard to succeed without them. Um, the thing with him in terms of like, they do need someone who can start this year. And that's one thing where I would say when I've watched Jermaine Johnson a little bit, and I've watched Karloftis a little bit, and one of them currently has, has a pass rush plan that consists of, of legitimately half a dozen moves and then a few others that he uses more often. And the other guy does not. And it's Karloftis that does mm-hmm. like stringing together pass rush moves 
Um, you can see him building on them and complementing the moves throughout the game. It's kind of interesting to watch. And I think they look at that as someone who's maybe more ready to step in immediately in terms of that skill set. He also has, has heavy hands. Those are things that Spagnuolo loves. Um, and so I think that's generally the thought process there is you've got a guy who, like you said, is ascending, uh, might be maxed out physically. Um, but that's hard to say for the next couple of years, right? You just don't know. Cause you're talking about guys who are 21. Mm-hmm. Like, so everyone always says, oh, he's maxed out physically. It's like, well, maybe let's give them till they're 23, 24, you know, finish becoming adults. And then we'll make a decision because one hey, never knows. Hey, you got to make a decision right now. <laughs> That's You're, very you are on the clock, sir. Yes. All conventional thought is final. Okay. <laughs> you cannot, you, these people cannot change once they are picked. <laughs> <laughs> what's interesting to me, what's interesting to me is that um, Karloftis came into the year considered one of the upper tier edge guys. And spent most of the year considered one of the upper tier edge guys. And it was really only late in the process that he started to drop a little more. Whereas with Johnson, it was almost the reverse. He he was always viewed as a good prospect, but it started to rise more and more after the season ended. I'll be honest, I'm always wary of that. And it could be that the Chiefs board just didn't do the same thing that, that you know, the aggregate board was doing. Um, and so those two, you know, there, there's going to be comparisons there, at least from the Chiefs point of view. Hey, or hey, Chiefs fans' point of view, because they could have had him, hey, hey, and they could have had Johnson. Hey, hey, and Josh, they, yeah, Josh, Josh real quick, mm-hmm. who who, who mm-hmm. had who had one good year in college? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, not me. I don't even think I had one full good. Year. I think I had like I think I had one good semester. What was but, the question? But, but between Jermaine Johnson and George Karloftis, who had one good year in college? Uh, did, did Jermaine Johnson have one good year in college? And and who had two? I guess George Karloftis by process of elimination. Continue, Seth. Yep, and you could say you could say in the in the abbreviation. Why did you make me do that? You could have just said that. That was awesome. I'm wait, I've got my George Karloftis take is is locked and loaded. I'm going to give it to you eventually. You don't have to pity me by making me do the who had a good year thing. It's it's answer your own damn questions. You get so lazy. I I enjoyed that. What a power move by Nate. Really, I am was. the captain. So. It is he also threw it to you at the beginning of the George Karloftis conversation. I've just been sitting over here on my hands wondering if I still have a job. If if, if you look at the COVID-shortened year, Karloftis <laughs> was good there too, but that's like two or three games. You're right, right, right. So he really – he has been consistent, and I do think – he just does a lot of things really well that should translate and did translate at the college level to a large number of wins – and a large number of pressures, although not as many sacks as you'd want. And that's where, okay, is that because the talent around them wasn't very good? They weren't, which I'm not trying to, you know, take a pot shot at Purdue. I don't think I'm surprising anyone there. Um, but the other thing is he does have a couple of physical limitations that are going to matter and maybe make his ceiling a little bit lower than people would like. So I suppose I could say I- what those are. Well, well, so well, that's the thing. So I, I feel like I feel like we could play the George Karloftis two truths and a lie game and pretty much knock it out in one. Because I think I think that we could say George Karloftis has exceptional power. Yes. George Karloftis has great hands, both in terms of the heaviness of them and also what he's doing with them against opposing offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's got great bend around the edge. Two truths and a lie. <laughs> 
Yep. Right? Like that. I mean, I really, I feel like I, I don't, if I, if I have to oversimplify it for the sake of oversimplifying it, I think that his profile is probably those three traits, right? It, it's two positives and a negative. Hey, what's, what's his wiggle at the edge? You know, hike, one, two, give me a little, give me a little wiggle. You know, give me a little up and under. A little, yep. little inside, in, inside. That is it. You he just has the power it. of a he has the power of a bulldozer and also the flexibility of one right now. Like that's just where but, he's but, at. But coach, I can run through him. I know, but yeah. like you, yeah. you, you gotta have you gotta have more than one. Look, little wiggle. You gotta bend the ankles at least a little. You can't you can't sprint upright around the corner. No hey, one coach, can. Hey coach, I just treat him like a blocking shit. I just I just go through him. He uh, makes everyone. I I dude, I said that on the radio on Friday at some point. He turns everyone into a blocking sled. Like that's a pretty again. You, you got to get around him eventually. But like I don't know, man. I I get it. Can I let me give you guys my take here real quick in, in the sandwich of this, and then Seth, you can do the dismount. Here, here's my here's my quick take that kind of applies to McDuffie and Karloff. This is, it might apply to the whole draft class. But overall, I completely understand the logic of those two picks and really the entire draft class. And like the, the, the dumb thing about draft grades is that, you know, we're grading them based off our priors anyway, right? Like, so what, I mean, we could make, we could grade all these players ahead of time and then just drop them all in afterwards. But we can actually grade the process of all of these things. Yes. And the process that has you arrive at the corner who's always in the right space, both mentally and physically, like. That makes a ton of sense for a defense that currently has like one definitely starting corner entering the draft. For Karloftis, like you said it, Nate, not, not here's here's my, I wish I could get a prop bet on this of the week. I would love to find somewhere that I could bet money that he leads defensive ends and snaps for the Chiefs this year. Maybe defensive linemen and snaps for the Chiefs. In fact, probably so, just because Chris Jones is an even bigger man in, a, in the middle of that defensive line. That is that cannot happen very likely or very that cannot be very likely very often for a late first round pick to step in. And like, I just don't know how often he's going to be off the field. And I assume that Frank Clark will be off the field for probably like eight or like eight to 10 games, you know, or, or at least rotating through on a, on a lesser level, just based off what his time in Kansas City's looked like. And I don't I feel like you would have to literally like chip off a chunk of George of George Karloftis with like a a marble carving uh, hammer and, and spike to get him off of the field at any point because he might be literally made out of marble. This he, is, he uh, hates coming off the field. Yep, clearly. Yep. This is this is from Dane Brugler. Um, shout out to the beast. He had yep. such a good profile on him. His body is his temple. Yes. And he is religious about his training and nutrition to keep himself at peak condition. That's what Parenthes- I was right there. Parentheses, played 55.6 snaps per game in 2021. He never came off the field. And here's the crazy thing, and it's going to be different at the pro level. You cannot, it doesn't matter who you are, right? It's there, There's a lot of guys in the NFL that even, treat their body like temples. Even Joey Bosa gets tired because, you know, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, when he goes nuclear in a play in an overtime yeah. game, you know, I just, coach, I need a breather. He's yeah. good. I need a breather. And that Orlando Brown guy you're trying to have me run around is freaking massive. Like, these, this is hard. You like have me running around a tree every snap. It's so hard. But I would just say what was interesting with him that I noted is he got better as games went along and he did not ever stop like ever. It didn't matter if they were throwing a couple, you know, an extra chip his way, which was very frequent. He would very often beat the tackle and run right into a tight end. 
And he would just try to run over that tight end every time. And sometimes he would beat that that tight end. And then he'd run into a running back and he would try to run over that running back. And it, it, it seems really exhausting to play that way. Um, but he's clearly in great shape. He He's definitely a guy. You can see, again, he's physical. You can see they, they have an idea with what they're trying to do on defense. And they needed a guy like him that I think they expect can go out there and play 60% of the snaps this year and not come off the field too often. Let's say more like maybe 70, 75% of the snaps because the defensive ends, they rotate out and that's fine. But they, they definitely need someone who can be a plus player in that department. And he looks like a guy in theory that can do it early. He's going to be one of the people to absolutely keep an eye on in preseason because one of the few people you can learn something about in preseason are offensive linemen and defensive linemen because you can't hide one-on-one matchups in preseason and you can actually learn how they look against other pros. I'm I am concerned about my ability to uh to watch him during the preseason honestly Seth cuz I'm concerned about my eye level. I mean I'm afraid that my I'm afraid that my eye level is going to be in the sky. Oh no. <laughs> I mean they'll never It's a segue. We got to keep it moving guys. We got yes. like nine more picks. I just want to see George and, and Creed one-on-ones. Yes. I would watch that. I would watch that for sure. Talk to me about Sky Moore. We've made it 45 minutes and haven't talked about the newest member of the Chiefs pass catching core. And I want to talk about it. I want to hear you guys talk about it. Again, there's already a piece up in the Chief of the North newsletter breaking down Sky Moore, which is the only receiver that really in the top of this class Seth didn't review because it was hard to find film. Well, congratulations, <laughs> Seth. It's a Christmas miracle. You got even more hashtag content out of this. But first, Nate, why Sky Moore? Now, see... <sighs> You know how I all feel, guys. You know, I was I was hyped on Friday. Mm-hmm. I was, oh, and I look. I know. I know how they feel about Christian Watson. I know. I know. I get it. But then Aaron Rodgers made a phone call apparently, and my <laughs> and my dream died. Oh, um, <laughs> now I'm assuming that Aaron Rodgers was like, "But what we doing? Um, what, what we doing in round two? Um, because <laughs> what are we doing now? It's a great story because Christian Watson's father used to play for the Packers. So, congratulations to their family. Once that occurred pretty early on Friday, I think the what, did the Packers trade up for the second pick on the second round? It was, it was, by the way, all the people that thought that like I was, you know, speaking out of my you know what about Christian Watkins going in the first round, guys, he went early in the second, 34. Um, yeah, he went 34. Um <laughs> telling y'all his boy is good. Now, similar to Seth, I was not paying a ton of attention to Sky Moore just because understanding the Chiefs draft board, again, as I understand it, he was on it. He was clearly on my list of guys. You can check this out on the athletic. Hey, if the Chiefs want to go slot, slot receiver here, here's Sky Moore. He's one of the best guys available for them in rounds two or three. Um, everyone will ask about George Pickens because that is essentially what the decision came down to. Uh, okay, we feel comfortable trading back because we think one of these receivers is going to be here. Um, and if it was up to us, we would take Sky over George Pickens. Now, 
the Steelers made their choice easier for them because the Steelers took George Pickens, so you got a Pickett to Pickens combo coming Pick, at some point. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers now. Yes. Yeah. Also, real, also, also real you. quick, just to add more receivers to this mix, Tyquan Thornton, who none of us ever talked about, was actually the pick at 50, who the Patriots traded up for when the Chiefs yes. were back. Yep. And and then Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati went 53 to the Colts. So there ended up being three receivers going between 50 and 53. And those it was four receivers and five picks, with Sky Moore being the last of that group. It was kind of spooky. Yeah. Now, sometimes things make too much sense on mm-hmm. the face of it. And so you just don't look at it again. And I think most of us made that choice when it came to pre-draft evaluation. Sky Moore is really fast. He works in the slot. He wins one-on-ones quickly. Uh, he does catch everything. Yeah. And um, and the Chiefs were like, yeah, that's why we're taking him. To which we all should have been <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's – oh, yeah, that makes that makes sense. Like, that, that makes sense. And – um, a guy that clearly Patrick Mahomes is, is, um, eager to play with. And that matters. That does matter. Um, this guy more is, I, he's so much fun to watch. Um, it, it really was, you, you made a really good point there. How part of the reason it's like, it made so much sense. That, that, I didn't even look. I was just. Yeah, I was like, ah, no, probably not. It just makes too much sense. It was one line on Friday yeah. morning. Hey, if they want a slot receiver who's really fast, here's yeah. your guy. <laughs> now moving on to another defensive end that they won't take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah, let's. I, I just. It, it's. It, I knew it was going to happen, too. I was like, I'm going to watch 13 wide receivers. <laughs> Everyone except the one that everyone's talking about because, eh. but the, the cool thing for me was after the draft um, and I saw the way like a lot of draft Twitter and, you know, national people, especially and stuff, but also, you know, guys that cover it more locally too. They were all really excited by the Sky Moore pick. And I kept here. I mean, it's just an unbelievable fit. Of course, Sky Moore is going to Kansas City. It, it was, I've told you guys that delicious, like they can't keep getting away with it. I love it. I love it so much. And there was some of that. And so I got a chance to watch him. And I would just start off by saying that pretty much the only negative thing you could really say about Sky Moore in terms of what he shows on tape is that he was playing against lower level competition. And who's to say if he'll be able to separate the same way at, you know, against pros. Because if you're just going based solely on what his film looked like, He's really good at a lot of things mm. and really good. We talked about with Karloftis about things that translate at the next level. He's really good at things that translate at the next level. Like he has strong hands, strong hands, really quick, gets really good releases at the line of scrimmage. Like he might release better than any other player I watched in terms of getting quick separation right off the line. Um, he's got decent acceleration. His explosion isn't completely elite. Like there'll, there'll be times where he'll get that quick release. And for a step or two, the defensive back will actually stay with him or catch up for a minute before he really accelerates away. But he also, he can separate deep. He can do it on the boundary. He's got like everything you'd want. He's good at. He doesn't have like elite speed, but he's got good speed. He doesn't have elite quickness, but he's got good quickness. He doesn't, you know what I mean? Like there's all this stuff. 
he he tracks the ball in the air well. He wasn't treated like a deep threat in his college system. They run a ton of RPOs, tons and tons and tons of them. But when he was asked to do it, one thing that he showed, and this is my very favorite thing, and really you should go to the Chief of the North newsletter, read it. There's tons of video clips here. My very favorite play that I watched in all of his film is a play where he wasn't even targeted. He came out of the slot off the line of scrimmage, uh, faked up field, and then ran a, a corner route. And the reason I love it is because he makes his breaks without slowing down. Mm. And that's really hard to do. It's something Garrett Wilson does well. He's a really good pick. And who knows, a, a usual caveat, but he does everything well. And I think he can win at the boundary as well as inside. And I think that's one reason they took him is they can move him anywhere. I'm just like 98% excited about all of this. I think the whole receiver group at this point is super interesting. But if you were going to build the, the as you say in the newsletter, the nitpicky sort of argument, if you said, hey, here's a guy who's not quite big enough to be a big receiver or a guy who's not quite fast enough to be considered a top speed guy or might not have the absolute quickness for that to be a dominant trait, like I, I could see a universe in which, and this, I'm guessing this doesn't happen specifically in this Chiefs offense, so I'm still again buying on this one. But to be devil's advocate, like if you said, "Hey, here, here's your uh, your your uh, you know master of none," I guess if you wanted to, but somebody sure. does a bunch of things really well, I, I would I could see where that argument would end up maybe shaking your confidence a little bit. So, so how much does that shake your confidence? And <laughs> if if something were to shake my confidence in Sky Moore, it would be that the the lack of size can be problematic because it's harder to be a certain kind of receiver without the size. And then he does need to do some improvement on his footwork at the top of his breaks. And that's part of why you'll see him not at, at times not separate the way you think he would. The way he separates right off the line versus the way he separates at like the top of an in-breaking route is a little bit different. So it's not a quickness issue. It's a footwork issue. But that seems coachable. But really, the, the whole the idea of the jack of all trades, master of none thing, it's one of the reasons I wasn't high on Garrett Wilson. Mm. The reason why I if I like Sky more better than I liked Wilson, because I put Wilson in my tier two. I would have put Sky more in my tier two as well, but I would have put him above Garrett Wilson because more looks better at releases. He looks like he does one thing at a super high level and maybe two in terms of his hands. Whereas Wilson, I wasn't quite as sure he had that one thing he does at a super high level. Hmm. That's good analysis, Seth. You left the speechless. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, I, and, and you make me think about just—I mean, this is a this is this is what you assume would be a player that you're trying to scheme up one-on-one one-on-one ma- uh, matchups for, um, and with proper coaching and again, a player continuing to get better after they were selected in the draft. Um. Maybe that player can win uh, those one-on-one matchups, and, uh, and yeah, and just you know, I, I think I think something that mattered to the Chiefs a lot that seems so simplistic, but considering the season they just had, can you catch the ball? Like, <laughs> can you just catch the ball like really, <laughs> really, really well? And in terms of the amount of reps. That Skymore had to do that, he excelled at a very high level. So it seems simplistic, but uh you talk to Mike Berganzi, um, 
one of the things that he really wanted to emphasize was he catches the ball, whether it's it's in traffic, whether it's on the edge. Um, you know, he's really good at slants. So you could sort of just see that, um, you know, just being a, a, an easy pitch and catch between him and Mahomes. But just the idea that like, hey, if the windows are going to be tighter, um, you know, if we don't want to have the same turnover misfortune that we had a year ago, the guy we draft needs to be able to catch the ball at a high level. And uh, and Skymore makes makes the simple things simple so that everything else can sort of be, you know, viewed afterwards. Uh, with that being said, I'll give you the quick rundown here of the rest of the picks and, and other interesting things. And I think maybe each of us gets to, to pick one of these guys for like 30 seconds. And then at some point we'll have to do Well, we're gonna have a lot of off season is what I will promise you. Um, and, and I think all three of us are still kind of working through the rest of this draft class on a variety of levels. So we're, we're about to run out of runway on this episode here today, but we, we will, this will not be the last time that we talk about any of these guys, but, but if I float out Brian cook, the safety out of Cincinnati, he went 62nd, Leo Chanel linebacker out of Wisconsin. He went one Oh three, Joshua Williams, the aforementioned corner out of Fayetteville state went one thirty five. Darian Kennard, the old lineman God, out of Kentucky. He went 145. They traded back up after they got that pick when they moved back with this guy more 40 or 50 to uh, 54. And then Jalen Watson, corner out of Washington State, Isaiah Pacheco, running back out of Rutgers, yeah. and Jose Johnson, the safety out of Marshall. That was your uh, four, five, seven, seven, seven down that list. Uh, and then they get Justin Ross today as an undrafted free agent. If I uh, if I give you guys a chance to to give me a minute on one of those, who would you guys pick? Isaiah Little Poppy Pacheco. Yes. Check him out. Do some time, kids. Google him. Uh, he runs a four three seven. Now, I don't know if that's gonna be completely translatable, but he a swag. He a swag out running back taken in the seventh round, kids. If you can't root for this man, I don't know who you can root for. But Isaiah, little poppy Pacheco. Is out here to do what, Josh? He is willing to take another grown man's job. job. That was in the introductory Zoom call. He waited zero seconds to turn that dial to 100. He's, zero whoa, whoa. seconds. He said that? In he the said Zoom. that. In the Zoom, he said, I am willing to take another grown man's job. Well, that'll make things awkward between him and Clyde. Although, you know, I mean, look, they all know this is well, a business. Wait, be, hold on, be realistic. Seth Clyde was a first-round pick. He's got to be good. <laughs> Two years, not over it. Woo-hoo! I don't, I don't think, I don't think you can. Look, Clyde at Rizalier is not to be trifled with in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but I'm here for yeah. the camp competition between Isaiah Pacheco, and I and I wrote this in like the updated. Uh, depth chart piece between him and Derek Gore, who was very good in limited reps last year, but mm-hmm. he can't run a three. He can't run a four, three, seven. I, I know I'm not allowed to talk about this one, but I'm going to just say something. If Niall Davis had a little bit of vision. Ooh. Just, just something to think about. <gasps> just a little bit. Now, not a ton, but a little bit. I remember that, thinking that Niall Davis had a little extra, like, I don't know, may, maybe like more pop, but that oh, was because no, not he, because he was gear. De- 
That was Davis that's because he was full he up to speed on a kickoff return. Like yeah, everybody, the, every the, every the, hit hits harder the, with twenty the, yards of steam. The Houston Texans kicked it off and found out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I would say yeah. Niall Davis, even when he took handoffs, he got to that gear quickly. He just didn't know where to go. Yeah. Like, and, and that's yeah. not. I'm not trying to be mean to him or no, anything like that. Much better at football than I will ever be at literally anything. <laughs> but his vision was not pro caliber, which is why his his body wasn't able to carry him through completely despite being a specimen. I love that. Okay, well, so you guys both tag team that one. You, you want to tag team on one more, Seth, you pick? Yes. Um, I, oh, I really want to talk about Brian Cook, glass eater, but I'm not going to. So him and Leo Chanel, those dudes are crazy. Chanel, Chanel. Those guys are crazy. Like, I'm you don't want, want to talk about death row? Oh, my goodness. Those guys, they, they are if they make it onto the field, and you never know with draft picks, if they do, the defense will have a different tone. Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, and Leo Chanel, that, because Bolton and Gay are physical, physical dudes. They are working out right now somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right now, that's what they're doing. They are doing, they are in the middle of maxing out their bench on their way to go, I don't know, hang some drywall and chop trees down with their face. Yeah. Like, anyway, I'm not going to talk about them. Okay. Darian but- Kennard. Okay, go ahead. He, um, you know, they introduced him as a tackle. A lot of people thinking that he's going to be moved inside to guard. I don't think the Chiefs are going to try that right away. Mm -mm. Um, Plus, like, why? You have Trey Smith there. Like, he's not taking Trey Smith's job. He's obviously not taking Joe Tooney's job. Um, Kennard is a big dude. And he is really, really, really upper body strength. Just really solid. Um, and right tackle is a place that they are not set. I like Andrew Wiley, but he's not a high level option there. He's a guy you can get through with for sure. He's also got this year and then he's up for a new contract. Correct. Um, Lucas Niang, great feet, athletic for his size, keeps getting hurt. That's unfortunate. Darian Kennard, if you go and like even watch like his worst game would have been against Georgia because literally everyone's worst game was against Georgia because a defense was insane. He belonged out there with them. And that means he belonged out there with literally every one of those dudes was a future pro. The Chiefs always say when it comes down to it, what do you put on tape? Yeah. And and he put on some some good tape. That was a really nice move getting him. We'll see how it goes. One never knows. But he fits in well with the group they're trying to form on offense. I'll make mine Leo Chanel here just for a second because it was the it was the time where the position group in the draft card like bummed me out the hardest because it went, oh my God, they just went second round linebacker, second round linebacker, third round linebacker in three consecutive years. And this is one of those dudes that seems like he might play without his helmet on if there wasn't a rule against it. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know if that's the version that this defense needs to evolve into. And then I did see his athletic testing profile was vaguely what I would expect if the literal Terminator had to do the athletic testing at the combine. I was like, oh, I get it. Like the whole card's growing neon green. Like I, I understand. Um, we were kicking this around a little bit. Like will all of that translate quite that way on the field or has it or will it in coverage? Like those are all legitimate questions. I, I get it. I also think with 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 especially at 103 and, and maybe even at 62, I, I kind of expect there to be another edge rusher somewhere in the in the second day of that draft or yeah, maybe early in the fourth. And so, look, I, I totally understand that why I think Leo Chanel will be a good football player. 
I wonder if he'll be a good football player at a useful position for the Chiefs this year or or for the for the next few years uh, because they're going to have only two linebackers on the field like 75% of the time and I think that'll be Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. So uh, that one to me was was the strange thing positionally um, but not surprising for the player because they address their four biggest needs I think corner, edge, receiver and then a distant fourth being a third safety. They addressed those over the first four picks and then I'm sure they took the best player available on their board. So like I get it. I just, I was surprised. That was, I think that was the only pick in this entire draft that caught me by surprise a little bit. Yeah, because he's he's sort of the inflection point, right? It becomes a really good draft to a potential great draft if he works out. Um, yeah, because, that's true. Because I think the first three picks are, you know, I would be surprised if they didn't work out for non-injury reasons um, yep. based on everything that has sort of been laid out. And obviously we discussed it for over an hour. Uh, but if if Leo Chanel can get his Reggie Raglan on, then then kids, this draft class, you're going to remember it for years. Veach compared him to Damian Wilson in the in, yes. in the presser that night. Yes. Much, yeah, much more athletic than Damian Wilson. But that would be, imagine, imagine a his. juiced up, much faster Damian Wilson. It's like, I'll take that. That sounds yeah, awesome. If, if Damian Wilson took the super soldier serum from Captain America, you'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I would probably take him at 103, even though I kind of wish that was an edge. So, yeah. so we totally. have, we have right Ge- there with you. We have George Kaloftis bull rushing the tackle and the running back to death. And right behind him coming on a blitz is Leo Chanel. I will, I will say this definitively. This is my last thing. If you got a final word, Seth, take it. And Nate, you can get us out of here. I will say that in one draft class, from a from a very basic human emotion sort of place, this defense went from one of the defenses you would not mind lining up against on a Sunday to a defense that you have to be thinking on Saturday. You are planning for a double ice bath on Sunday. Like it, this is this is a defense now full of a bunch of dudes who you do not want to meet at the forty yard line. That's that looks like the goal, and I definitely agree. It, it's all the caveats. We we don't know. We don't know what any of these dudes will look like. But if even half of them yes. pan out, even half of these guys, let's say from, from Kennard on up, right? Because you become pretty unfair in the seventh round, expecting much from guys. But if even half of those dudes pan out how they hope, and honest to God, when you read through it, it doesn't really matter which half of them. Yeah. If they pan out how they're hoping, this will be an incredible draft. Just half of those dudes. <sighs> So here we are yet again. It's that time where you can truly say if, and, it, and this is if, you know, Melvin Ingram comes back. And by the way, uh, I didn't make this point earlier. Andy Reed has a hard stance on training camp. Mm. If you're on the team, you're on the team. You're doing training camp. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just what it is. Um, so I'm assuming that will probably be the last major piece, uh, between now and, and, and St. Joseph. I just, I just get the sense that, uh, this team is going to be unpredictable in a lot of ways. Mm. And that is an element that this team has not had since 2018. And the moment I think about not just how smart this draft looks on first glance, 
and understanding that the people that have been doing the drafts over the last few years have really gotten more and more successful as they've gone along. And that's not just including Brett Veach, that's including his staff. Um, I don't know what this team is going to look like. And I think that is perhaps one of the more fascinating parts about this upcoming season.